And uh, what a wonderful meal that was. And uh, I, I was in the valley of decision, walking through the tables there. I wanted a little bit of that, a little bit of that, but my plate was only so big. And so uh, that's why I thank God for seconds, don't you? <laughs> we appreciate the Lord, appreciate Brother and Sister Hughes so very much and uh, their, their ministry and uh, the kind words here today. Uh, I, I appreciate <clears throat> this church and uh, this, this lighthouse here in Romney, and uh, we just appreciate you great folks, precious people, and uh, we uh, just greatly appreciate your pastor and his wife, Brother and Sister Jeffries, and uh, just what a, what a wonderful thing the Lord has done for you folks and uh, where he's brought you from and where you are now. And it was the hand of God that's led you through, and we appreciate that. I'll be reading from the book of Luke here today, and uh, <clears throat> we'll uh, quickly look towards this altar and see what the Lord has for us. Luke chapter number 19, and uh, we're going to uh, look at this ever familiar text, try to pull out a truth from it. 19 and 1, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which, when, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Notice verse 4, please. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this service. And Lord, we thank you for this precious pastor and his wife. And God, we pray, Lord, you would crown this service with your presence. And God, at the conclusion of this revival, though the services may conclude today, we know that revival can continue in our hearts. But God, we pray, Lord, you would put a crown of your presence, your good Holy Ghost, on the conclusion of this revival. And God, I pray, Lord, you would help, help this church. Lord, help this church as they march forward in truth. And God, I pray, Lord, you would give them souls for their labor. And God, we ask it all in your wonderful name. Amen and amen. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. As I said earlier, I appreciate Brother and Sister Jeffrey's labor of love, their ministry of mending, what they're doing here at Safe Haven Tabernacle. If the Lord would stand beside me here, I'd like to just simply preach this thought, be the tree, be the tree. The call to pastor 
is a high calling. It is a call to speak truth. Many times you're surrounded by lies. The, the call to shine the light in dark places. The call to stand in the trenches and fight when it seems that all the forces of the adversary stand in your way. Now, I want you to know here today that brother and sister Jeffries probably pray for you more than you pray for you. And we pray for ourselves a lot. <laughs> Many times we're pretty selfish with our prayers. Lord, I need this. Lord, I want this. Lord, fix this. Lord, do this. Where are you at, Lord? We're very selfish with our prayers. But to be honest, the pastor and his wife probably pray for you a lot more than you pray for you. And I want you to understand that God has placed a burden in the heart of, of this pastor and, that, and, his, and his wife, and that is a burden for his people. Jeremiah 3 says, And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And we know that the pastor teaches, he preaches, though he must solicit his own classes. He heals, though without pills or a knife. He is sometimes a lawyer, often a social worker, something of an editor, a bit of a philosopher, a salesman. He's supposed to be a scholar. <laughs> he visits the sick, marries people, buries the dead, labors to counsel those who sorrow and preach to those who sin. And many times he just tries to be sweet. <laughs> Sister Jeffries is looking at me. He plans, he appoints, he spends considerable amount of time just keeping people out of each other's hair. Between times he prepares a message and stands behind this sacred desk and delivers it to you on Sunday. His foundation of his ministry is character. His nature of ministry is service. His motive for this ministry is love. His measure of ministry is sacrifice. His authority of ministry is submission. His purpose of ministry is for the glory of God. His tools of ministry is the word of God in prayer his privilege of ministry is to seek growth among the people. His power of ministry is the Holy Ghost. And his model of ministry is Jesus Christ. Thank God for the man of God. Thank God for the pastor. And the lady that stands with him, the pastor's wife, many times she hears the message before you do. <laughs> many times she hears the stories before you do. Many times she's the critique of the message. Oh, Lord, I travel, I know. Many times she hears it all. And she says, eh, maybe, I don't know if I'd go that way. I don't know if I'd say that. What are you going to preach tonight? Well, it's none of your business. <laughs> but I'm glad for the pastor's wife. I'm glad that she bears the burden. She deals with things that many times never reaches his plate. Thank God for the pastor's wife. It was George Duncan who wrote concerning a pastor. He spoke out of Malachi. And Malachi says the law of truth was in his mouth. And iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and did turn many away from iniquity. The words of a preacher. 
He speaks the words of truth as God speaks to his heart. He walks with God. He leads as he is led by God. His work is a difficult work, but it is a rewarding work. For we're not trying to gain something temporal here. But this work is the eternal work. We're trying to make it there. And he's just trying his best to follow God and speak the oracles of God and lead you as he is being led by God. The pastor is a man who carries a very large burden. A man who is divinely placed in a church to be the shepherd of the people. He is God's voice. No, we need not uplift the preacher above God. I'm not saying that or even try to do that. But I want you to understand that the office of a preacher is a high calling. God talks to the preacher and the preacher delivers to you what God has told him. In Acts, a boat was in a storm, a ship in the middle of a storm upon the seas. As Paul, under the unction of the Holy Ghost, on that rocking ship, he steps forth and he tells them, Be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but that of the ship. Well, how do you know that, Paul? For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. I'm thankful for a pastor that hears from God. And you ought to thank God for a man that hears from God and is no stranger to the voice of God. He's familiar with the prodding of God. He is no stranger to the dealing of God. And whatever, whenever he gets behind this pulpit and he proclaims the word of God, God. Listen folks, you better listen when the man of God steps behind this desk and he preaches thus saith the Lord and he preaches what God has laid on his heart. Oh, but also know that whatever storm you're in in your life, those men being in the worst storm they'd ever been in and Paul stood forth and said, I heard from God tonight you see, in the storms of life, Brother Jeffries won't get behind this desk and he'll say, I heard from God tonight. <laughs> God, everything's going to be all right. Thank God for a shepherd that listens for the voice of God. Thank God for a shepherd that's so close to the heart of God that whatever grieves God's heart grieves his. Thank God for a man that's no stranger to prayer that will tell you what God has laid on his heart. He's trying to get you to heaven, folks. <laughs> Thank God for the man of God. <laughs> Thank God that he will listen for the voice of God. I'd say, God, give us preachers delivered from mediocrity, preachers with vision high, pride low, faith wide, love deep, patience long, men who will dare to march to the drumbeat of a heavenly drummer, men who will not surrender principles of truth in order to accommodate their peers, 
God give us more preachers interested in scars than medals more committed to conviction than to convenience. Men who will give their life for the eternal instead of indulging their lives for a moment of time. God, give us men who is fearless in the face of danger, calm in the midst of pressure, bold in the midst of opposition. God, give us men who will pray earnestly, who will work long, who will preach clearly, and who will wait patiently on a move of God. God, give us men who walk by faith, whose behavior is by principle, whose dreams are in heaven, and whose book is the Bible. God, give us men that's listening for your voice. One man said, preachers, preachers may be assaulted, wrangled, insulted, slandered, wounded, rejected. They may be chased by foes, abused by enemies, forsaken by friends, despised and rejected of men. But see to it that with steadfast determination and unfaltering zeal, you pursue that great purpose in life and you listen for God's voice. You do his work. And when you stand before him one day, you're able to say, I have finished the work which you, dear God, hath given me to do. Oh, God, give us men committed to the call, committed to the work, committed to the gospel, committed to seeing souls find their way to the cross. Thank God for the preacher. I appreciate you, Brother Jeffries, Sister Jeffries. I appreciate you. All my life, I've seemingly known you. Your character has always been flawless. You've been a testimony to me that no matter where God brings you, how the hand of God leads you, you can be true and you can be faithful. And you can be a testimony to others. Whew, my God, that you can stand no matter what may come against you. Thank God for the preacher. But if you would allow me, please, I'd like to turn this message. I want to turn the direction of this message. And I want to talk to you, the church. I want to charge you, the church, Safe Haven Tabernacle. Whew. I want you to realize that the mission, the message, and the mandate has not changed. As one flock, we are gathered together. As one family, you dwell together. As one body, you are joined together. As one temple, you are framed together as one household. You are built together as one kingdom. You strive together as one hierarchy. You are raised together. But the greatest and supreme glory that we can bring to God, something that far exceeds our good deeds, our medals, and our trophies, is to win one person to Jesus Christ. I got it. <laughs> what is the glory of the gospel, Brother Hughes? Of course, the glory of the gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what is the glory of the Lord? The plan of redemption. No doubt about it. 
to win the lost. We must settle it once and for all. It is that which brings glory to God as nothing else can. And it puts joy in your soul. It'll put revival in a church. It'll put fire where there's ashes. It'll bring life. It'll bring a river out of a desert when a church sees souls won for the glory of Christ. <laughs> D.L. Moody. saw a man sitting on the sidewalk walked up to that man said sir are you a Christian the man jumped up in haste clenched his hands made fist and angrily looked at Moody he said it's none of your business Moody quickly replied and said this is my business the man stepped back tears began to flow out of his eyes he said, well, with that response, I guess you must be D.L. Moody. <laughs> let's be about the Father's business. <laughs> I said, let's be about the Father's business that when they hear the name Safe Haven Tabernacle, they know, well, that's a place where lives are changed. That's a place where folks can find the mercy and the grace of God. That's a place where the broken can be put back together. That's a place where the Lord can meet with a soul. <laughs> May I please tell you, precious people, that there is a truth tucked away in this ever familiar story. It's not about me. It's not about fame. It's not about prestige. But the simple truth is, it's about others. It's about being that city that is set on a hill. It's about the message of the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me, growing up in this thing, how so many people have veered away from the simple message of the gospel to push their own agendas, to push their own idea of things. Where has the church gone? It's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'd say God put it back in our heart again. Put the mandate back in our heart again. Put the burden back in our heart again. It's about others. It's about winning the loss at any cost. It's about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ <laughs> as your pastor has entered this pulpit the last couple services I'm a frequent viewer what do you preach let's build something together Woo. caught you off guard didn't I? <laughs> some of y'all was on your phones Let's build something together. <laughs> Let's take the simplicity of the gospel. Let's get together. Let's build this lighthouse together. Let's be that city that's set on a hill. Let's build something together. Let's build something that we can look back on and say it wasn't for my glory, but it was for the glory of an almighty God. <laughs> yes, this message is a little man 
meets a big God. But really, the central point of the message is the sycamore tree. What a compelling motive that we have for prayer, for preaching, for soul winning. As Spurgeon said, who to think that every responsible human being who leaves this world without a definite change in heart will immediately open their eyes in hell, tormented in the flames. Jim Elliot said, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be just a milepost on a single road, but God make me a fork that men must turn one way or another when facing me because they see you in me. <laughs> I'd say make us a crisis church. Let folks that come in contact with Safe Haven Tabernacle come to a decision. I must turn my life over to an almighty God. <laughs> General Booth tells of a man who gained his fortune in Australia many, many years ago, finding gold. Booth says that when the man got back on the boat to head back to England, that it was there on that boat, a storm arose, the boat sprung a leak, and they said the boat's gonna go down. The man, being a very strong, very a big guy, knew that he could make it in the waters swim to the nearby island. But a little girl who just lost her mother in that very same storm as the boat was rocking and reeling and the boat was going down, she approached this individual, this man, grabbed him by the hand and said, Sir, would you save me? General Booth said the man stepped back, grabbed hold of that belt of gold around his waist, looked at the little girl, grabbed hold of that gold, looked at the little girl, and then in a moment's time, Booth said he took off that belt of gold, threw it in the waters, grabbed that little girl, and they jumped into the sea. He said it was the next morning when he woke up on that island and came to consciousness that that little girl ran up to him with tears in her eyes, putting her arms around his neck. She said, thank you, mister, for saving me. <laughs> Booth said that man was later quoted as saying, that that one instance was worth more than all the gold in Australia. I gotta preach to somebody that winning one soul to Christ, it's worth more than all the diamonds, all the money, all the glitter and the gold. I'd say, Lord, make me a soul winner. <laughs> oh, the joy in winning a soul to Christ. Oh, joy in letting the lost know that there is a blessed hope. Oh, how the broken ones can walk into our services and find he who is altogether lovely. The bound 
can walk into our services and find the liberator. Whew. I think it's time we shot it from the housetops. Jesus still saves. <laughs> Don't forget your mission. Souls, 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 the backslidden, the bitter, the wounded, the cold. My God, that's the mission. Lord, let them come. Let them find safe haven. My God, let them find safe haven right here. God, let them find you. Thank God for the church. It wasn't intended to be a social club. That's not what the intention of the church was. The intention of the church was to go to the highways and the hedges, compelling them. <laughs> I think for too many years, the holiness church has become the two that passed the guy in the ditch when we used to be the one that stopped. I'm not worried about agendas. I'm not worried about big names. I'm not worried about some sort of church politics. That don't mess with me none. God, don't ever let me get so high and holy that I pass the man in the ditch. But let me have the good Samaritan spirit. Let me realize, Lord, that's where you found me. Let me be one that sheds the light of the gospel. Zacchaeus was small. He could not get a view because of the barriers in his life. Whew. For every unsaved, lost person, there's always barriers that keeps them between them and the Lord. For some, the barriers are addiction. Some, it's relational. Some, it's even spiritual, mental, financial. There's always barriers. But in the case of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, there was a literal barrier, a physical barrier, his height. He was short, small of stature, though he was the chief tax collector, a very rich man, he was still highly despised. Though he had a position, that did not guarantee him a place. The beauty of this story is this, that the barriers can be broken. God, that barriers can be overcome. I don't care the barrier between your lost loved one and Jesus Christ because this story preaches to us that barriers, my God, barriers, they can be overcome. Everybody say, you don't know how far they are. Hey, look, it don't matter. Grab hold of faith. Barriers can be overcome. <laughs> the sycamore tree. Allowed Zacchaeus to see Jesus. There was nothing special about the tree except it was in the right place at the right time and ready to be stepped on and used as a platform for a small man to catch a view of Jesus. <laughs> Whew. May I encourage safe haven 
be the tree. <laughs> be the tree. For God's placed you right here at this time, at this moment. Be the tree. Let those that are lost and wayward, let them catch a view of Jesus. Be the tree. <laughs> oh, the providence of God. Brother Hugh. A sycamore tree is a tree that can live nearly 400 years. It is one of the fastest growing trees. It can grow upwards of 24 inches in the very first year. They say that a seedling, when it begins to grow, it can grow upwards of 10 feet if it's watered good enough in the first year. I got to have Oh, the providence of God, Sister Jeffries. That somewhere years before a tax collector ever saw Jesus, that somewhere in the winds a seedling was floating. I got to have And somewhere that seedling hit the ground right at the right place at the right time. The rains came and began to water the seedling. And that little tree sprouted up out of the ground. <laughs> the weather came, but the weather didn't hurt it because something was protecting the tree. All the ailments came, but that didn't kill it because something was protecting the tree. The diseases came, but it still grew because something had its hands on the tree. <laughs> Whew. How many years ago? Nine years? Nine years. In a garage. Well, actually, before that, a phone call was made. Brother Jeffries and Brother Hughes. Let's get together and do something. And who'd have thought two men outside of Romney decided to plant a tree? The weather came, but something's had its hand on this tree. Why, for the Holy Ghost. The ailments came, but something's had its hand on this tree. What about somebody tried to cut it down? They never accomplished that task because something had its hands on this tree. But then God blessed the tree and transplanted the tree from there So now in Romney, West Virginia, standing tall is a tree. I gotta have it. Boy, somebody ought to get your shout on. Right here in the middle of Romney, West Virginia, stands a tree. And God has its hand on the tree. I need to tell Brother and Sister Jeffries, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Brother and Sister Hughes, for your faithfulness. Because I must tell you, for such a time as this, thank God there's a tree. Because Zacchaeus is on his way. And you're not just getting Zacchaeus, you're getting this whole house. But thank God that there's a tree where men and women can catch a view of Jesus Christ. Thank God. Thank God for a tree. 
And he shall be like a tree. Come on, Jesse. He shall be like a tree, Psalm says, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. My God, thank God for the tree. Some of you are sitting here today because this man and that man and their wives decided to plant a tree. <laughs> Some of you was wondering, will I ever catch a view again? Will Jesus ever come back to my house? Well, he's at your house because of one reason. Somebody planted a tree. My God of heaven, thank God for the church. Thank God for the tree. So may I please charge you, safe haven, just be the tree. I said be the tree. Rodney's full of Zacchaeus's that's wanting to catch a view. Let them see Jesus when they walk in them doors. Be the tree. I realize it was still Zacchaeus' decision. And Jesus said, come down. I'm coming to your house. But Lord, let me, let me still just be the tree Whew. where someone comes to a life-saving decision with Jesus Christ. William Carey labored seven years before he had his first convert in Burma. Ananiram Judson toiled, struggled seven years, but he kept on preaching. And after seven years, he finally had his first convert. We all have lost loved ones. We all have family that's, that breaks our heart because where they're at, but I pray, Lord, no matter who may come or what may go, let me be the tree. Whew. Let me be the tree. <laughs> hey, look, it may not happen tomorrow or next week, but you keep on being faithful. You keep on being the tree. I said you keep on being the tree. <laughs> wow, for the Holy Ghost. I read Brother Jeffries. An old deacon. Well, you gotta love him deacons. An old deacon walked up front, was leading in prayer. He used one of his ever familiar phrases. Oh Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger. But on this night something happened. Something came over the deacon. He fell to his knees on the platform with his head in his hands, he began to weep and wail. Some other men ran to the platform, grabbed him, said, are you ill? Are you sick? What's the problem? The old deacon looked at him, looked at them with tears in his eyes. He said, no, I'm not ill. But when I said that ever used phrase, Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger, he said, the Holy Ghost grabbed my heart and said, thou art the finger. <laughs> Woo. 
Lord, let me be the tree. Let me be the tree, Lord. I want to go to the highways and the hedges. I want to tell them they can leave their burden here. They can cast their care here. Lord, let me be the tree. It was, go ahead, Jesse. It was many years ago, the National Geographic came out with an article, a series of pictures that depicted a tragic story. The first picture showed a large wheat field in western Kansas. The second showed a very distressed and distraught mother sitting in a farmhouse crying. With the story that accompanied those two pictures, it told of a four-year-old boy who had wandered away from the house into the large wheat field. The story said the mother and father looked all day for their boy. But the little fellow was too short. They couldn't see him or view him in the wheat field. But the third picture showed dozens of neighbors, dozens of friends who had heard of the little boy's plight. And they had joined hands that one morning and made a large human chain and they begin to march through the wheat field. Then in the very final picture, it showed a heartbroken mother and father holding their lifeless son who had finally been found but had died due to the exposure of the weather and the ailments. And the caption underneath that National Geographic article was this, Oh God, if only we'd have joined hands sooner. Whew. Zacchaeus is out there. Whew. Let's get together. Let's build something together. <laughs> Let's get together and be the tree. I don't want to look back and say, oh, if we just would have. No. Let's do it. I said, let's do it. Let's be the tree. Stand your feet in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be different here today, if that's okay. Brother Joel, Brother Hughes, would you join me up here, please? I want Brother and Sister Jeffries to come stand in the front here. But I want to do something that's a little different. I want us, the church, that stands in agreement with the man of God and his wife that's going to let them know by your prayer today, Brother and Sister Jeffries, I'm here to be the tree. I want you to gather in behind them. Sisters, gather in behind Sister Jeffries. Brothers, behind Brother Jeffries. Let's pray for them. Come on, help me, help me. I want to be the tree. Come on. I stand with the pastor in.